Jesus knew that his time with the disciples and his ministry on earth was coming to an end in this particular moment in his life. The whole reason Jesus was born was so that ultimately he would die. So he would die paying the penalty for our sins on the cross, the bloodshed, the pain, the agony, and the humiliation he would receive. It was soon coming. It was approaching soon. So you would be as surprised as me to learn that one of the final things that he did before his death was a task that was so remedial and it was considered so lowly that it was a job left to non-Jewish servants. Jesus has spent the last three years of his life investing into this ragtag group of uneducated ordinary men. They witnessed the miracles They were there when a blind man begged Jesus to restore his eyesight, and Jesus healed him. They were there when this crazy group of friends peeled back the roof of somebody's house and lowered their paralytic friend before Jesus. And they heard Jesus say to that man, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and walk. And they saw that paralyzed man pick up his mat and walk out the house. The disciples heard him teach powerful words, so powerful and so persuasive, unlike they have ever heard before. And they saw the puzzled and confused faces of the Pharisees as Jesus would baffle them with with insight. Jesus was a respected teacher. Jesus was a, a miracle worker. But for these disciples, they knew who he really was. He was so much more. He was God in flesh. So imagine this moment, this particular moment when Jesus did this thing. They they were entering a season of celebration over the Passover, which was one of the biggest Jewish holidays, a time where they remember how God had miraculously delivered them from slavery under the rule of, of the Egyptians. And the disciples come in, they sat around a dinner table. Peter, of course, he always wants to get to the first spot. He runs to get his first seat. Thomas goes, he's always doubting, he's checking the integrity of the chair. Can this thing hold my weight up? But then everybody looks to where Jesus should have been sitting. And it was empty. There was nobody there. And everybody begins to think, where's Jesus? Where did he go? He was just here a second ago. Where did he go? Suddenly, they see him come in. They see him come in and he's holding this, this basin full of water. And he has a towel. He has a towel wrapped around his waist. His sleeves are rolled up. And everybody's scratching their head. Like, what is is Jesus doing right now? Then he begins to call them over one by one. John, Matthew, Peter, come over here. He calls them over one by one. And Jesus stoops down low. And he begins to wash their feet. The teacher the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who would remove the sins of the world, stooped down to wash feet. Now what you have to realize is that this is pre-Nike era, right? They, are, they weren't wearing socks. These were the feet of men who had been walking around under the hot Mideastern sun over rocks, over dirt, over dust, over sand. And they live in an agricultural society. So there's sheep, there's goat, and there's camel dung everywhere all over the place. You get upset 
When you step into dog poop, can you imagine? You wearing sneakers. Imagine with open toe sandals. Those were the feet that Jesus stooped down to wash. Why? To teach one of the most important lessons that he would teach his disciples. One of the most important things that he would tell them right before his, his journey to the cross. He would teach them this. You actually have it there in your notes. It's in John chapter 13. He said this, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. You see, Jesus was leading by example. He was teaching them an important lesson. He was teaching them humility. He was teaching them service. He was teaching them self-sacrifice. And in essence, what he was teaching was exactly what we spoke about last week. When we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, which says, uh, let's read it. Let's read this verse out loud. This is kind of our memory verse, uh, our key verse for this whole series. So let's read it out loud. It's up here and it's in your notes. You guys are ready? Let's read. Go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. This is what Jesus is teaching them. Consider others more important than yourselves. And Jesus was telling the disciples to follow his lead, to follow his example, and to do as he did. Now, this may be difficult for us to understand because what we say all the time is do as I say, not as I do, right? Because it's much more easy to say something, to go tell somebody else to do something than it is for you to live it out yourself. That's what we end up doing. We end up doing what's wrong and what's sinful anyway. But Jesus, he could tell his disciples But Jesus, he could tell us today, do as I do. And in fact, that's exactly what Paul says. Today's passage is Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. So if you guys would take that out, it's in your notes. It's the first verse there. Here's what it says. It says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Now Paul is about to show us, what exactly the attitude of Jesus looks like. And, and uh, he's going to let us know exactly what it looks like in the verses to follow. But he says that we should adopt the same attitude. In other words, in essence, what he's saying is that we should reflect Jesus. That's number one in your notes. We should reflect Jesus. We should reflect Jesus. We should look like Jesus. Now, there was these wristbands. Do you guys remember? It was super popular years ago, and they had the letters WWJD on them. You guys remember that? Do you guys remember what it stood for? Anybody remember? What would Jesus do? And the idea behind it was that whenever you would find yourself in a certain situation, you would find yourself in a predicament or in a difficult circumstance, you had a question, you would look at the wristband, and you would say, what would Jesus, what, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And, and, and that would help you to make the right choice. But of course, it's way easier to identify what Jesus would do than it is to do it, isn't it? And Paul is saying that our lives should reflect Jesus. Our lives should look like Jesus. Jesus is our example. He's the perfect model of humility, and we should model our lives after him. 
in the Old Testament, you guys remember Moses, the Old Testament character Moses? He was the leader that God chose to deliver the Israelites from the bondage of the Egyptians. And he saw God. Moses saw God deliver the ten plagues to the, over Egypt. God gave Moses the ten commandments to deliver to the people. Moses had an intimate relationship with God, so much so that the Bible says these words, that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Moses would go up to the mountain, and Mount Sinai, and he would hear from God. He would hear straight from God. The Bible says that a pillar of cloud would hover over his tent. And when that happened, he was having a conversation with God. God was meeting with him. That's the intimate relationship that he had. Now what's really interesting is that when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments from God on Mount Sinai, something happened to his appearance. When, when his, his time with God actually physically altered his appearance in such a way that it was noticeable. Listen, his time with God changed the way he looked. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 30. It says this, When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone. Can you guys imagine that his time with God, it was so impactful that it changed his face. It changed the way his look. Because Moses spent time in the presence of God, there was a difference about him. What about for you? Would, you, would people say that there's something different about you because of the time you've spent with Jesus? Amen. Would people say that, you know, you look a little bit more like Jesus? The way you behave, the way you act, the words you say, would people be able to identify that there's something different about you because of the time you've spent with Jesus? Has Jesus so radically transformed your life? Has the Holy Spirit so captured your heart in such a way that you might say, that people might say, there's something different about you? Can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something different about you. Paul would say that we should adopt the same attitude as Christ. That we should reflect Christ. Did you guys know this? That the only reason we're able to see the moon is because the sun reflects on the moon's surface. From our perspective, it looks like the moon emits light. right? It looks like the moon is shining down on the earth. But actually, the only reason we see the sun is because it reflects the sun. The only reason we see the moon is because the moon is reflecting off the sun, what the sun emits on the other side of the world. That's why we're able to see the sun. What if, what if like the moon, we shine the radiance of Jesus? What if we would reflect Jesus? If we did, we would adopt the same mind of Christ. We would reflect his humility. The second thing that we're going to see Paul say is that to understand Christ's humility, we have to understand his deity. To understand Christ's humility, we have to understand his deity. That's number two right there in your notes. And we read it in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. Here's what it says. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Reflect Jesus. Be like Jesus. Verse 6. Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. You guys, in order, to, in order for us to fully understand the humility of Jesus, we have to understand his deity. For some people, Jesus was simply a good teacher who taught great lessons. For some people, Jesus was a great storyteller who was able to portray great truths through awesome parables. 
For others, Jesus was a moral person. He did a lot of great stuff. He did a lot of good things. He kept the law. Yet for others, Jesus was a miracle worker who was able to heal the sick and raise the dead. But in order for us to fully understand Jesus' humility, we have to see him so much more than a miracle worker, than a moral person, than a good teacher, than a storyteller. We have to see him for who he really is, and that is God. No single person has stirred up more controversy in the world than Jesus. He stirs up controversy not because of his good works, not because of his moral life. Jesus stirs up controversy. You know why? Because he claimed to be God. And that's why he's controversial. Jesus said these words in John chapter 10, verse 28 and verse 30. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. I give them eternal life. The words of Jesus. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I and the Father are one. Those are the words of Jesus. Guys, no one would ever say this. In Jewish culture, it would have been blasphemous to speak this way. But Jesus did because he was. He was God. In fact, John would say this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has not been created. If you continue reading John chapter 1, as you scroll down a little bit further in that chapter, what you're going to see is that John reveals that that word was Jesus. What he's proclaiming is that Jesus was God. See, Jesus left his home in glory to become one of us. Jesus is God in flesh. God's redemptive plan for mankind was to become a man and to die in the place of man. The wrath of God was satisfied in Jesus. And to fully understand the humility of Jesus, you have to understand his deity. The creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one that knows the number of hairs on your head, the one that knows you by name, the creator of the universe had to learn how to walk. The creator of the universe had to learn how to say mama and dada. You had to understand in order to understand his humility, you have to understand his deity. Jesus ruled and reigned from heaven. But he didn't consider equality with God to be something to be exploited. Another version, your Bible, the version you have might say this. is He didn't consider it something to be grasped or something to be held onto. Jesus humbly came to earth and he became one of us to pay the penalty of our sin. Jesus was the perfect model, an example of humility. Here's the next thing we kind of see from this passage is that Jesus was a humble servant. He was a humble servant. In fact, I would love if we would read the next verse. This is verse 7 in today's passage. Let's read this verse out loud together. You guys ready? All right, let's read it. Go. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. You guys just underline right there in your notes where it says assuming the form of a servant. And circle the word servant there. In other words, Jesus took on the form of a servant. Jesus wasn't born into royalty. Jesus wasn't born into wealth. Instead, he was born in a manger to a teenager from a poor family. 
Jesus' life and ministry, it was dedicated to one of service. He would heal the sick. He would minister to the needs of the poor, the outcast, and the downtrodden. And that's why one day, when the, when, when the disciples foolishly begin to bicker and argue like spoiled brats about who was the greatest, who was the greater among them, Jesus was able to tell them this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 and 28. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. Let's read the last part of this verse together. Ready? Go. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. Now here's the question I want to ask you. What's the world's view of a servant? What does the world think of a servant? What's the world's view of a life of service and self-sacrifice? Perhaps it could be best summed up in the words of Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. If you ain't first, you're last. That's what the world believes. That's what the world thinks. If you ain't first, you're last. In other words, it's all about me. I'm in first place. Nobody's going to take care of number one. It's all about me. What about you? Do you consider yourself a servant? Do you consider others more important than yourself? Do you put others first? Do you treat others humbly? Do you treat others respectfully? Do you treat others lovingly? Jesus left us an example of a humble servant. Can you imagine what would the world be like if people modeled their lives after Jesus? Can you imagine what this world would be like if our, our leaders, our government leaders would model Jesus and live their lives humbly in this way? What if we as a church modeled Jesus and lived in, ex- in his example of humility? Here's number four. An attitude of humility hurts. An attitude of humility hurts. This is our last point, and we're going to be wrapping up in the next couple of minutes. But I want you guys to notice this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 to 8, says this. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. You see, guys, Jesus' humility ultimately led him to the most painful point that he would ever experience in his life. It led him to the cross. Jesus' humility led him to his death. And an attitude of humility, adopting the attitude of Christ, guys, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your ego. It's going to hurt your pride. It's going to cost you something. It's going to be painful. And it's not going to be easy. Because everything within you is pulling you in the opposite direction. Everything within you pulls you towards looking out for number one. An attitude of sinful pride oftentimes is deeply deeply embedded into our very being. There's a story of Muhammad Ali, arguably one of the best, uh, the greatest boxers of all time. Uh, It says that he was on a flight. He He was in an airplane on a flight. He took a seat. The stewardess came by and she told them, Mr. Ali, you need to buckle your seatbelt. In which in turn, Muhammad Ali looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And so she looked at him and she said, well, Superman don't need no airplane either. So buckle up. 
You see, deeply embedded inside each and every single one of us is an attitude of pride. And so to mimic Jesus, to, to follow his example, it's going to hurt. An attitude of humility, it's difficult, it's painful. And for Jesus, it was so painful that it literally killed him. What might it lead you to do? An attitude of humility, it might lead you to give up your seat on the train or on the bus to someone who needs it. You guys remember the funny signs we looked at last week. An attitude of humility might lead you to get up early on a Sunday morning so that you can come and serve others at church. An attitude of humility might lead you to swallow your pride and forgive someone who hurt you. An attitude of humility might just lead you to understand that you desperately need Jesus and that you cannot be your own savior. An attitude of humility may just lead you to submit your will to the lordship of Jesus Christ and to accept his free gift of grace. In fact, if that's you today, I'm praying that you would humble yourself and accept God's free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. As the Bible says that we were all born sinners, the wages of that sin is death. And what we deserve is God's wrath. But God, in his infinite love for us, he sent Jesus to come and pay the penalty for our sin. So you wouldn't have to pay for yourself. So you don't have to put the the punishment that your sin deserves, you don't have to repay it on yourself. Jesus came. He lived the life you couldn't live. He died the death that you and I deserve so that we can experience forgiveness of sin. But then three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death. And in his life, we have newness of life. And the Bible says that all you have to do, you don't have to pray more, read more, go to church more. You don't have to do, you know, uh, 30 Hail Marys. You don't have to do none of that. All you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And you're saved. And you experience his salvation. Could it be that maybe today is the day you start following the example of Christ's humility and put to death your will so that it may come to life in Christ? If that's you, we have one simple way that you can let us know. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. don't want to embarrass you. This is a decision between you and God. On the back of your connection card, if everybody will take out your connection cards, because just in a moment, Stephen's going to let you know how you can hand those in. But in the back of the connection card, there's the next step. And if you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to take that next step today. In fact, we're praying for you that that might happen. An attitude of humility is going to hurt. But we follow Jesus Christ. We follow His example. And we lead a life of humility. Would you guys join me in praying as we close out? Lord, everything within us pulls us away from adopting the same attitude of Christ like Paul wrote in this passage. But help us by the power of your spirit to follow Christ's example of humility. Help us to love and to serve those around us that we might demonstrate the gospel. So impact us with the truth of the gospel that it would bubble over and actually affect how we live our lives. I pray that others might see Jesus in us and through us. I pray that 
as we humbly serve others, they would see Jesus and ultimately turn to Him. So help us, God, in this new year, along with our resolutions, along with the goals that we've set, Lord, to be less self-focused and more focused on others. Help us, Lord, to be like Christ. We pray this in your precious name. Amen and amen.